0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York, boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com.
2: Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love, all for the price of about Two fancy lattes each month. Go to slash donate today. And thank you.
3: Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building and growing consumer brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school, cafe, and event space, a product that people buy in grocery stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here, as a podcast, so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, But it's also the story of every growing brand, because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Jean Brownhill, founder and CEO of Sweeten, a free, award-winning service that pairs homeowners and business owners to contractors for major renovation projects. To date, Sweeten has more than a billion dollars of construction in the pipeline, And New York Magazine has called Jean the contractor whisperer, which I love. Sweeten was one of uh, Ink Magazine's hottest new companies. Jean is co-founder and chairwoman of the African American Student Union at Harvard's Graduate School of Design, where she was one of nine recipients of the prestigious Loeb Fellowship. She's also a member of the 2018 class of Henry Crown Fellows within the Aspen Global Leadership Network at the Aspen Institute. You are a highly accomplished lady, and um, you're also a really nice person, and so I'm really happy that you're here today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Halfway through that
4: intro, I was like, "Who is she talking
3: about?" No, isn't that great? That's you, babe. That wow. is you. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you're going to have a lot of advice. You've given me some really good advice um, in our, you know, couple of conversations that we've had before today, which is why I wanted you to come on. Um, but before we do all that, what I usually do is sort of get the skinny on you as a kid. What did you want to be? I The architects that I've known in my life, I always describe as sort of this very strange, um, good strange. But, <laughs> you could probably stop there. But, <laughs> very strange, period. Well, you know, I feel like uh, most people are either heavily left or heavily right-brained. And I feel like architects are kind of balanced right-brain, left-brain. And that makes for an unusual person. Have you always been interested in architecture? Were you an architecty kid? Were you an engineer yeah, kid? Yeah. Were you a design kid? Were you right brain left brain? I uh, definitely right brain left brain mm-hmm. for sure. Um,
4: so I have dyslexia, and uh-huh. so I was always really good at math class and art class. And in fact, I didn't know what an architect did. Right. Until my guidance counselor said you should consider going to architecture school. That's so cool. Like no one in my community was using an architect. And I was right. just like, okay. And he's like, Where yeah. did you grow up? Uh, New London, Connecticut. Okay, um, not that far from. Some, sometimes people know Mystic. Mystic no, Pizza, I know. Yeah, and there's so. a ferry.
3: Yeah, exactly. People
4: people have often like driven <laughs> I've through it. Yeah, New exactly. London. Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Gotten on the ferry. Exactly. Yes. So, um, so that's cool. So you you had a guidance counselor who was like, actually, this would be a great career for you. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So,
4: uh, and and you know, I'm I don't really remember having that many conversations with him. Right. In fact, and so I. I It's funny that it had like so much um, actual guidance over my life that he gave me this recommendation. But I went home and I told my mom and um, she looked at one of those College for Dummies books, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, this big yellow and black book. And she looked up architecture schools and she found Cooper Union here in New York City. And it said free tuition scholarship. And she's like, oh my God, great. Your guidance counselor is a genius. Wow. You're definitely going to go to this free architecture school. This yeah. is perfect.
3: That's well, amazing. Yeah. Did you,
4: it's like harder to get into than West Point. Yeah, and I know. No, <laughs> seriously, it actually,
3: I mean, but it worked.
4: It worked. It, I mean, my mother does have that kind of um, very fortunate luck, she kind of manifests things
3: yeah, like that. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. so when you were littler, like when you were nine or ten, were you, I, I have I have two dyslexic kids and two kids with ADHD out mm-hmm. of five. Wow. And then one who's like, I got something, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> well, nothing that's showing up. She's like, trust me, I have everything. Um, so I, you know, I think sometimes if, if a child has any sort of learning issue and isn't encouraged very early on, um, they start to kind of turn on themselves a little Mm -hmm, bit and mm -hmm. think that there's something wrong. Were you supported as a kid like that? Did you, were you more introverted because of it or did you act out because of it? Like how did it affect your life? I mean, I, uh, so it wasn't diagnosed until,
4: um, like formally diagnosed until after college. So you were so really just, good at
3: compensating.
4: Exactly. Yeah. So I am like a master overachiever Yeah. <laughs> overachiever. My oldest daughter's like that. And it's, I would often yeah. feel like, you know, like almost um, like I would look at everybody else and I would just be like, why, why does it feel like I have like 50 pound weights yeah. tied to my yeah. shoulders? Like, yeah. It seems like it's so much easier for you guys, yeah. but I just like kept chugging along. Yeah. I definitely have memories of being in school and being asked to read out loud, yeah. which is a very... It's awful. ...really, really challenging thing for yep. a dyslexic brain to do. Yeah. And I have these memories of... What felt like my mind, the gears of my mind just locking and looking at the page and being so anxious and the teacher just being like, what the
3: fuck is wrong with you? you can say fuck.
4: (laughs) Oh, thanks. What the fuck? (laughs) I went to Catholic school, though my mother is like a devout atheist. She sent me to Catholic school because she does believe in education. Right, yes. (laughs) Um, So my teachers would not have have cursed. But they were... (laughs) Uh, it was like the word like glue I think I was supposed to be saying, I don't remember. Yeah. I just like, have like this, such a clear memory oh. of just standing there and being like yeah. frozen.
3: Yes. That's the worst. And they so, yeah, still was- do that. My son is 13 and his second grade teacher was like, let's go around in a circle. I'm like, you know he's dyslexic. Yeah. Why are you doing that to him? Yeah. Like, and then you know it just became a thing. So it's
0: hard
4: But yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, now I think they have like really good schools, and it seems like you're a super proactive
3: yeah. mom about it. But at the time, I was just like. Yeah, I uh, know. You keep just keep quiet. It don't out. tell anybody. And like, if you're really bright, <laughs> which you clearly are, you learn very early on how to compensate. Yeah. So you work three times as hard, you, you know, you just make friends with the teachers, you know, you're a good kid. Exactly. Um, and some kids that works for and other kids unfortunately it doesn't. But That's it sounds exactly like identity. did you have um, siblings? I
4: have three half brothers but they only lived with me when I was very young so right. it was me me and my mom for for most of my right. childhood journey and you know my mom is like a voracious reader yeah. and so you know I just don't think that it it
3: really computed to no, her at couldn't. all like yeah. it just it it just couldn't even did you think Register. you wanted to be a scientist or a mathematician, like when you were little, or did you? So I got obsessed with Jane Goodall when I was little, uh-huh.
4: like obsessed. Yeah. And I used to have um, this like Velcro monkey <laughs> that <laughs> I would oh, strap to myself. So and yeah. I actually took um, sign language courses at our local college. And this again, was, again, a I was very
3: like, good, right? Like different yeah. language, that exactly is not right. Yep. So visual, yeah, makes like... makes so much sense.
4: And I was super into it. Yeah. And I remember, like, having my, like, little Velcro monkey and practicing sign language and having yeah. this dream of, like, being Jane Goodall. Yeah. That's really what I thought I was going to it's do. It's funny, because
3: I would... If I... If you had asked me to guess what you would have wanted to be, I would have said a vet. Yeah. Like, it just kind of came to me, but... Yeah. Well, I, I love know. my... I
4: have... um a Yorkie. I mm-hmm. used to have a French Mastiff and a Yorkie. Those have you taught him, him sign language or no? Oh my God, I would love yeah. to teach my dog <laughs> sign language. That'd be the best. So then she could tell me when she's eating
3: something terrible off the street. Right. She can just <laughs> give you a, a paw hand thing. Okay. So you end up at Cooper Union because you worked your butt off and you got through that. And then did you go straight? I know you went to Coach, but I don't know what the exact. Um,
4: yep. So I trajectory I was. graduated from Cooper Union, mm-hmm. and I ended up working for um, uh, Elizabeth O'Donnell, who became the associate dean of Cooper Union. She was a structures teacher at the time, and oh. again, I was really good at math. I was good at structures. Yeah. And I ended I started working for her in third year of college. Mm-hmm. And so it was amazing because I basically graduated on a Monday and just went straight back to work on a Tuesday so cool. and ended up working for her for five years and, and really got to cut my teeth in, in, um, uh, residential New York city interior architecture. Right. And it was, it was fantastic. Awesome. Um, from there, I did. I went on to coach the handbag company. Oh well, I had a, a brief stint doing houses, very large houses in the Hamptons. Right. I wanted to learn um, wood frame construction. Uh huh. So I was doing all these interiors in New York City. Really wanted to learn a different building methodology. Right. Huge houses in the Hamptons is the best way to learn how to do wood frame construction because wow. it's done. By the best builders and perfectly right. those houses no are like, expenses yeah, spared. They're like yes. ten thousand square foot pieces of furniture essentially. Right. Amazing.
3: <laughs> That's no, it's so cool.
4: Yeah, it was really it was a great learning education. Yeah. And but I but I remember, you know it, in each one of those places, it just didn't quite feel like it was the right now I would say customer that I would want to serve. Yep. At the time, I probably said client, but yep. it just, you know, like, it was hard for me to really sympathize or empathize yeah. with folks who were like, okay, you know, uh, right. I have to get into this summer house. Yes. Our
3: other four houses right. are going to be under renovation right. at this time. My this husband's the only one. <laughs> tie drawer isn't pulling yeah. out correctly. Yeah. Um, there are people who are really interested <laughs> in seeing you from I like we're at Robert there's you have some fans I don't know lady. Who people are, but. I don't either, but they're like <laughs> very it's Matt, I know. Maddie and I are both very impressed with your magnetism. Yeah. Amazing. Um so Anyway, going so, back to so that, yeah, I I would imagine like coming from you know it doesn't sound like a fancy pants no, upbringing, No. Super. then sort of like going into the high end Hampton market with yeah. you know
4: uh, going from just making it from yeah. like push starting my mother's car because we couldn't afford a new starter like all through the winters to then Hamptons like and and, you know I don't know if you know like Nans the hardware company but I remember putting in like a $300,000 hardware order for this kitchen that we were doing and I'm like I am ordering $300,000 worth of like poles
3: and hinges yikes It's
4: like I gotta
3: yeah. this has been really awesome I've learned a ton but I gotta go so you went to a high-end bag company so
4: what I want did is to actually get out of an architecture office. Okay, That was my only goal. At that point, I just, I wanted to figure out how I could not be surrounded by people that kind of all had the same educational background, yep. had all the same references. Yep. So really, it could have been any Place that would have hired me as an architect, so that was that was the only professional experience I had, right? But that I could be surrounded right. by. You were like an in-house, yeah. And like oh, that's interesting. Like everything else, I just wanted to like learn about the world around me. Yeah, very cool. So I got hired a Coach, and I was psyched. Great. And what did you do there? So I was uh, a senior manager of global architecture. Okay. And you know, I basically I got. They got hired to do traditional architecture work. So drafting, you know, every single store, every single fixture, all the furniture, Uh, that all has to be drawn and architected by someone. Right. And most brands have an in-house architecture. Interesting.
3: So basically you were, every time they would open a new store, they needed plans. You were the one who made the plans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they had 200 stores. So
4: Yeah. So they, well, they actually had 1,800 Locations, okay. including international, got retail, it. wholesale, you know, huge, huge yeah. fleet of stores. So uh, I ended up, so I got hired as a traditional architect, but you know, as you've pointed out, I'm yeah. always pretty ambitious slash curious. And yes. I raised my hand and I said, you know, I, I think that the architecture group would do really well if we built a website that helped us to manage our inventory of stores because when the store opens right for the architecture, for when this, the project is done for the yep. architecture group, it means uh, it's just opening for the rest of the company. And right. we're doing a terrible job handing over that information to everybody else.
3: That's so smart.
4: So I pitched the COO of the company. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, build this website. Like, right. Just don't, you know... Keep doing much. your regular job. Right, right, right. <laughs> Keep <doing your> regular <laughs> regular right okay, job don't spend too much. Uh-huh. So, ended up building that, and also a um, platform that allowed us to bid out our projects. So right, you like get like apples to apples bid comparisons. So cool. And
3: this is all great because I know how this story ends, <laughs> yeah. and I love it. I love the fact that it all ladders up to this totally. thing that you're doing now, which totally. we're going to get into in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
4: so it was. It was definitely. Um, I was an entrepreneur, I believe they call it. Yeah, and so cool. The CEO of the company was like, uh, "This platform that you built cost us, you know, I don't know what it was. I'm guessing it was like a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You saved us three hundred thousand dollars the yeah. first week it was launched. Like, keep doing this. I don't remember if those were the exact right. numbers, but so I. I went on to just build websites that made the architecture group and construction group more efficient and that's what I did for the remainder of my time there. That's so
3: cool. And then now I know it was 20 it was 2007 that you were renovating a house Yep. Well, I had that home. corporate salary. I could yes. buy a, a real house. So you got the <laughs> the NANs hardware. No, I'm sure yeah, your I had, first thing was like, was I'm going to get $305,000. Exactly. I went to the sample something. sale and right. bought a screw and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> a gorgeous screw. It was handmade. I'm, it was I'm sure it was, it was perfect. So, um, and that's when, I mean, because you didn't plan, you weren't planning on leaving, but you embarked upon this renovation project of your own. I mean, to me, it's so brilliant, right? You're like there is a there is a like there are these two groups of people there are the people that need to renovate and then there's the construction slash you know contractor kind of group and i like the way you put it in one of the interviews i read where like they fundamentally mistrust each other they don't speak the same language. They don't, you know, this group thinks that group is, is cheating them. This group thinks that group is cheating them. Totally. You know, it's like there's just this kind of weird, and they need someone to speak the language and to interpret. It's like the two completely different planets that, the, that these people live on. That's totally right. And did you find, so you, as an architect, you found you, you were in this problem yourself?
4: Yeah. So I bought a house in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. It was a wood frame house from like the 1890s. It hadn't been renovated. And, you know, since like the early fifties, they put in a new kitchen. Right. And I was really excited about it. Like, you know, it was the most expensive thing I've ever bought. Yeah. And And you bought your own little piece of the rock. Yeah. And I bought, Then I took all the money that I'd ever saved that was left and (laughs) handed it to someone with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And, you know, when you're working as an architect, it's a very different experience to be drawing floor plans or budgeting projects. Mm-hmm. But when it's your dollars being spent, yep. you know, you internalize every single line on that paper really differently. Yep. So that was the first experience of just being like, wow, this is really different. And then when I went to hire a general contractor, I ended up hiring the wrong one. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just not well suited for my project. Uh-huh. And yep. it was a very classic... You know, scenario where you know communication completely broke down. Yep. we then got into this like yeah. <laughs> standstill where it went he from was totally like dug in to active. Yeah. yeah, I was dug in. Yep. I became the GC. I like it was just mm-hmm. a mess. Mm-hmm. It was a mess, and it really was one of those moments. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have them where yep. you know you have your own problem and you also have an idea for the solution. Yeah,
3: no, it's amazing. I've I've read that, and sorry, gentlemen, but I've read that most female entrepreneurs start with a problem that they've encountered on their own. And most males kind of go out and seek out a white space. Yeah. Yeah. That might be completely gendered and a little bit like over reductive, but well, I can just give you an example in in my industry. So,
4: you know, again, so I, I've been on a mission since 2008, nine to figure out how I could use the distributive power of the internet to get High quality construction and design resources to regular people mm-hmm. that's kind of always been the thing so I in that time, so that's you know ten plus years now right not to age myself, but I have seen a lot of people come into the space, yep, you know it's they see a huge market three hundred and fifty billion dollars, yeah per year on just residential renovations. That's not new construction, that's wow. not commercial, just renovations. Just, yeah, and that it's people doing bathrooms and kitchens mostly. Yeah. So they see this huge market. Yeah. And then yes, it is wildly fragmented. So 62% of all licensed general contractors book less than $500,000 a year. So wow. it's mostly these tiny general contractors running around yep. servicing this massive market. Yeah. I have seen more men yep. raise Literally hundreds of millions of dollars and just slam <laughs> into the
3: market. Right, <laughs> into the market. Yeah. And then kind of moves down the side do it of like it. They do like sweetened does, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like splat down. Yeah, That's I mean, funny. we've just been, yeah. we've never
4: been in a position, you know, I, I've been fortunate. I've raised a lot of venture capital. Yes, which I really want to talk about. But it has been in increments that yep. have basically allowed us to really understand the problem, yep. have a really good sense of what the solution would be. We, like we've hacked it together using third party technologies. Yep. And then we've built proprietary software and yep. used like those venture dollars to build it. We have never been able to have the luxury to build. Just like a big war chest. Yeah. Just to be yeah. able to like
3: build a bunch of stuff and like see what sticks. It's funny. I really, I believe in that. Um, I I want to get back to that because I really do believe in that, and I have like a very sort of luddite Haven's Kitchen example of it. But I do want to get to. Because I want to get into like the nitty gritty for for other founders, but yeah. I also want to get to this this fellowship that <laughs> you were one of like two people in the universe to ever get. I mean, so you so you're working at Coach, you do the thing, you yeah. have this idea. Yeah. Where did you go with that idea? Did you go to get this fellowship specifically to like how did the next yeah. step work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started becoming really
4: passionate about you know, it sounds so stupid, but like the internet, (laughs) (laughs) like the powers, the The power of the internet. Right. And I started giving these presentations where I was kind of running around and saying like, listen, people who care about architecture, architects, you know, uh, urban planners, like, people who care about the built environment should be building the technology on top of this platform mm-hmm. because we can see what happens when people who don't care about it, build the technology. Yeah. So look what happened to journalism. Look what happened to the music industry. Oh. Like any, any hierarchical creative space yeah. gets torn apart if by this thing. they don't own their own. We right. need to be the ones building on top of it. We need to be the ones like so coming cool. up with these ideas. And so it, kind of was like chicken little a little bit, like the internet is coming, but it was like 2008. So like the internet was here, but I still (laughs) hadn't hadn't really affected architecture or construction that much yet, or even the art world for that matter that much, Uh, the the formal art world, like the gallery world. Um, So it was at one of those talks Mm -hmm. that I was giving that a woman um, actually came up to me after the presentation and said, you know, I really think that you would be a great candidate for the Loeb Fellowship at the Graduate School of Design. Have you ever heard of it? And I was like, nope. Right. And then she's like, it's Harvard, and I was like, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's you know, it's an incredible, incredible fellowship, and you get to spend a year mm-hmm. with you know people who think really deeply about <sighs> the built environment in in the on the campus of Harvard. You can take any class at Harvard or MIT, and you know, it's, they they take really really good care of you and Amazing. just ask you to make the world a better place yeah. and. I had already wanted to do that. So I was psyched to be there. So you did that for a year and then you came back and started Sweeten. So what had happened? So I had, I had started two attempts at Sweeten or, Mm -hmm. you know, again, trying to solve this problem of like, how do you bring high quality construction design resources to regular people? Yep. I had had two other businesses before that that didn't work. Got it. Out of the ashes, so I still had a couple of customers and a couple of general contractors, a couple of homeowners. Right. I said, please let me buy you coffee. And I promise I won't talk. You tell me yep. Yep. what Pask. the problem is. Yep. Because so often, yep. you in my case, like I, I knew the customer I wanted to serve. Yeah, of course. I thought I knew the problem. And then I like shoved a bunch of answers down their throat. Yes. And they were like, yeah, yeah. That's, not, that's not helping. We don't want to use that service. We don't right. know. So I took them to coffee and basically the value prop from Sweeten came out of those meetings. Yeah. So homeowner said, I am terrified. I need you to stay with me until the complete project yeah. is over. Don't I just do not me need, up. Yeah. Don't just, time. don't just, oh, here's an email or here's yep. like, like a profile of a general contractor. Yep. I need you to stay with the project till the end. Wow. It's like, great. General contractors, same thing. Like, I will give you lots of money, but it has to be on work. I cannot. I am bad at sales. I'm bad at marketing. Yeah. I'm also kind of bad at, like, cash flow management. Yeah. So I can do it if it's, like, real work. Yep. But I can't do it specu- speculatively. Right, right, right. Because they had been so burned by lead generation sites. Okay. Like, just, like, hitting their credit cards right, over and over. Course. And then, like, getting into debt right. for things that didn't materialize for their business.
3: So, so how did you know that this one was going to stick.
4: So I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I ended up putting um, basically like a landing page up with the value prop. So post your project. I will match it to one of the vetted general contractors in my network. And I will track that project all the way to completion to make sure you're happy. And immediately we had more projects than I had general contractors to match. But I did it a month before i was going to harvard because i was like oh well i have harvard at my back so even if this thing doesn't explode right or, or ex, you know if right. it explodes in yes. a bad way yes
3: <laughs> like <laughs> either like way like once right.
4: again like my mom and her friends will use it and no one else <laughs> right right right
3: yeah <laughs> but
4: you know i think when you have nothing to lose oftentimes yep. you do get these breakthroughs yeah. and it was definitely one of them so the site really started taking off but it was Me taking a full course load and then right running it on nights and weekends. Wow! So there was no technology behind it to support it. It was me sending literally a ton of emails, and I had this massive spreadsheet. Right, and you know, again, so the way that it works is we track. Not only do we uh, introduce you to three general contractors from our list of vetted general contractors, we then see when you have a site visit, when they submit estimates, sign contracts, start date, um, mid-project check-in, and then completed project check-in. So all of those general contractors are kind of oscillating at different cadences for different projects. And so it's like this massive logistics (laughs) distribution
3: (laughs) project. I picture you juggling, but instead of juggling balls, you're juggling like apartments and kitchens and, you know, a lot. Um, We're going to take a little break. Great. And then when we come back, we're going to give all sorts of advice. You've already given a couple of whammies, so I'm looking forward.
1: (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today.
3: Hi, I am back with Jean Brownhill, founder and CEO of Sweeten. So you get back from Harvard and you're cranking along and things are starting to pick up. Um, and I guess, you know, the first few years of business, do you remember some pain points that you have? Do, do, can you kind of look back and say, had I known this, this would have been more helpful or any, you know, what you kind of wish you knew then that you can sort of tell to, because I, I think I, I'm still not a hundred percent sure, but the majority of people that write me, that are listening to this um are founders yep. and they are you know i mean th- this i i kind of call this as like instead of how i built this like how the hell am i going to build this <laughs> um which should have been the name for the podcast but i don't know in the sauce was kind of witty um so uh, what, you know is there stuff you wish you knew then or or you know looking back anything you wish you would have done a little differently
4: you know i wish
3: and and this sounds probably,
4: um, no, just say it. Well, I don't know if it's helpful or not, but I just wish I would have worried
3: less. Yeah. That is helpful. You know, I like think that's very helpful.
4: I just, I was like
3: in the fetal position yeah. for
4: like many, yeah <laughs> many days, years, months. I don't know. I like lost track and,
3: Even if it doesn't work, like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's still okay. You're still okay. Yeah. I like two things that you said earlier that I kind of made notes, and then I tried to read them, and I couldn't. But one is, um, you know, we never had PR for Havens. And when we finally did start to get, like, a little press attention, I was really relieved that it was two years in. Because had it been earlier, we wouldn't have been ready for it. You know, I think there is something about building it. I mean, I know that it's, I know that it's hard because we all need money to do stuff. And so I, you know, I consider myself incredibly lucky that I was able to bootstrap, you know, and to invest my own money and all of that, um, and you know, I talk pretty openly about I don't know what I would have done if I needed to go raise money to build havens because yeah. I can't imagine anyone would invest in it, <laughs> honestly. But I mean, in the brick and mortar, yeah. you know, yeah. the sauce is definitely different. But I think um, if you can, you know, instead of just creating this kind of war chest of money to spend, the idea of really figuring out what you are you know, what you're good at, that takes time, Yeah. you know, and, and that's, I love that you said that. And the second thing that you kind of said was, you know, we as founders, of course, we think we've got the answer. That's what makes us like arrogant enough to do this in the first place, right? I'm going to solve this problem for the world. Arrogant slash visionary, whatever you want to call it, depending on the day, right? But at the end of the day, people that are buying your product or that want your product or that are going to sit down and tell you what they need. Those are the people you need to listen to. And they are not always going to give you, you know, people tell us all the time what the kind of sauces they want and they might not be things we can make for yep. this type of production, yep. Yep. you know, but I think asking your customer is scary in a way because they might tell you something that you don't want to hear. Mm hmm. But it's kind of the best possible thing you can do for your business.
4: I mean, I think that one of, and again, I, I it's hard to like remember exactly in retrospect. So I don't want people to think that I had this like clarity no. back then. But, you know, I think one of the things that I kind of always had in some type of focus is not as crystal clear as it is now. But I just had a customer that I wanted to be of service. Yeah. Right? So you geared so, everything toward that. Customer. Yeah, so it just made it easier to to try to just figure out like what I could do to be helpful. Yeah. Right? I didn't have it wasn't that I had like spent my life building this technology. It wasn't that I had like I don't know, a bunch of R&D or something around. Right. I just I was like, you know, I really I fell in love with architecture when I went to architecture school. Like, space is super important to me, and I see what it can do for other people when they have a space that really makes them happy. And so, I just wanted to bring that feeling to as many people as possible. And, you know, now, of course, like, I'm totally infatuated with our general contractors as well, because they're like, you know, mostly first and second generation immigrants that were helping build their businesses. And they are so kind and generous and nice people and hardworking. And our office is filled with, snacks from their home countries. Right.
3: Like whenever they're trying to like. And it's neat because you're serving two very, you're serving both groups. Like by helping them communicate with each other, you're basically, they're both your customers. Yeah. Right.
4: The general contractors are our customers and we consider the homeowners and small business owners our shared clients. Got it. Um, And you know, this kind of goes into. Yeah. It just goes into one of the things that I think that I got right early on. Uh And that was that, I knew that I I wanted, you know, like people like me to have like really nice homes that, you know, they had saved up their money and Mm -hmm. they could finally like have a space to make themselves happy and space for everyone. And what I realized is that the general contractors weren't the problem. Right. that they were integral to the solution, that they were the solution. Yeah. And so I made them my customer and, and really built tools to support them, built a process to support them yeah. and make them successful because that was the best, easiest,
3: fastest way to make sure that so these cool. spaces were being built. So so smart. Oh.
0: Gosh, okay,
3: going into the next thing that is kind of amazing. And I need to, I just want to make sure that I have my facts correct. Okay. Because when I sent you the draft, I was like, is this real crazy OMFG? Question (laughs) mark. Okay. So in 2015... So what year did you start? You started 2011? Start t- 2011, yeah. Okay. You're bootstrapping, you're bootstrapping, it's growing. Yep. 2015, you decide to go raise money. I actually raised in 2013. Okay. Okay. So 2013, you go to raise money. Yep. By 2015, this is the data I have, Yep. you were one of only 11 African-American female entrepreneurs at all. To raise more than $1 million yes. in venture capital. Yes. That's insane. Yes. I feel like I should repeat that, but <laughs> I won't for lack of, you know, to rewind. Um, um, yeah, it's... It's. But, I mean, so that's daunting. I mean, what... You know what,
4: though? I have to say, I don't think about those numbers. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Like, when Did I... Did you at the time? I knew it was hard, but again, so...
2: I you're a woman.
3: Up, you're African American. You're raising money for dyslexic. construction. I, right, you're w- dyslexic, I was like, so you're used, like I'm used to like to having adversity. fifty pound weights. Yep. I'm wow.
4: super used to everything being really hard. Aww. I remember in one of my very first pitches, one of the you know early very early seed. Sometimes the investors will ask you like, "Well, why you?" Right. I love that. <laughs> you're always like, <a> "Okay, <laughs> well, why not?" Me? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so I said, "I was like, listen." you know, clearly, like I've told you about my background, you can see that I'm African American, you can see that I'm a woman, you know that I grew up like, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. without a lot of money. And I am used to the front door being locked. Yeah. And so if I try the front door and it's locked, I will try the windows, I will try the fire escape. Yeah. I will try the chimney. Yeah. I will try I <laughs> will dig under, I yeah. will burrow over. Yeah. I will get in. I will figure
3: it out. Yeah. And that's why you want me. Uh, I actually, like, I'm a little teary-eyed. <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I just, I knew when I met you that, like, you were the bee's knees. Um, oh, thank But you. you really are. So, and now, just to be clear, now mm-hmm. there are 26. Is that? So the last time they did the study, there were 26.
4: I believe that there's, like, 35 now. Okay. So we have a, um, African-American, women African-American women to raise who more, than more than $1 million. Yeah. Yeah. So we've raised significantly more than that at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I keep reminding myself and the group that, Venture capital is in fact not that old of a profession. Yeah. Right. Plenty of big businesses were built before venture capital existed. Yep. There are many ways to skin the cat. Yep. Like we should not believe the press hype that this is the metric yeah. in which all of our business acumen should be judged. I call that's it entrepreneurship
3: worship. Yeah. Which I feel like is I don't think that that's out there. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I might have coined it. Nice. But I think that, you know, it's funny because someone the other day was talking about a company and they said, Well, they're killing it. And I was like, you know, we don't actually know that they're killing it. We know that they've raised a lot of money. Those are not the same thing. That's right. Right? Different. My company did raise a lot of money. I, I have And now. you are killing it.
4: I have. And we are. <laughs> so now you're both. Yeah. Well, I'm, again, I'm really, we have just been, and really the team, at a certain point, it really just becomes the team yep. doing the hard work. Yeah. And, Just every day like we have stuck to our knitting we have really just figured out how to get homeowners and general contractors to transact renovations successfully that each one of them are happy with the process and that the results and the process are enjoyable yep so you know that took that took a really long time to get to a place where you know our average order value
3: or our average renovation $100,000. $100,000. It's also hard because I would guess that you don't have a ton of repeat, you know, I mean, I would guess people do their kitchen, they might do a bathroom, but they're not, it's not like you have a lifetime customer.
4: Yeah. So our, again, so our customers are the general contractors and they oh, right. oh, that's are right. doing yes, repeat business. Are. So they're yes. doing
3: many renovations with
4: us. Right. Now you're absolutely right. Most people don't do major renovations often in their lifetime, but that is also why our value proposition works yep. is because people really want a neutral third party to support right. them all the way through it. Cause they're scared as hell.
3: Yeah. So questions about that. Cause you said something about team. I want to hear hiring advice because, oh, yeah. um, I think that as we sort of start to trust other people with the baby, um, we think that we should choose people that work for us the way that we choose friends. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, not a good (laughs) idea. Um, I mean, I think people come at it from different angles that I, you know, that happened to be sort of like my early on error.
4: I mean, anyone who's been in business any amount of time, if they tell you that they haven't made hiring mistakes, they're lying Yeah, because every single entrepreneur that I know has gone through the painful process of realizing, yeah. at least for me, a couple of things. One, I was optimizing for our technical skills and not like personality and mm-hmm. just like overall um, You were integrity. looking, right. Yeah, I was just looking for technical not skills. Not culture fit necessarily. Yeah. And then the other thing, it was really hard for me to internalize – that it was okay to shape the company around myself. Yeah. It really, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is like, no, maybe I it's, think a, woman it's thing, a woman, maybe thing. it's a yep. whatever, but it, I mean, now I'm, I'm fine with it and I really understand why that's so important to yep. let that happen yep. because
3: it, the company needs it, right? Yep. It needs to. There needs to be a guiding core and uh, most of the time that guiding core is the founder Exactly, and when it's not that's actually a problem and and when I like I was contorting myself to try to
4: fit these people that had the technical skills that I thought that I needed yeah and then you're not your authentic self uh, and I was I was exhausted and they weren't happy and I wasn't happy and just it was so much more difficult now we have a team in place that I mean obviously they are technically like Killers, yep. literal killers. They yeah. all are smiles on their face. Yeah. Like, do not believe it for a second. They <laughs> can get anything done. It's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. And they're all like really jo- genuinely kind, yeah. fun yeah. people. Like we all work incredibly hard. So great. But if you come to our office, the vibe is
3: not tense. Intense. Right. I mean, it's mostly filled with plants because right. I'm obsessed with plants. Yeah. <laughs> but also, the vibe probably is represents your vibe to some extent you know in my case I think I didn't think I had sort of the like the chops you know so I hired people that I thought were really serious and get things done and to some extent they were but it made me always feel like I was like the annoying eight year old who was like good morning do you want to hang out do you want to play mm-hmm, what do you want to do today mm-hmm. and they were sort of like leave me alone to do my work right. you know the adults are doing work and yeah and I felt like I, I felt like I had to always be like I'm a big girl. You know, it it was this really weird dynamic. And so then I wasn't my authentic self. They weren't their authentic selves, you know, and I think now, you know, I still hire again. I, I need people to follow through on my ideas. That is, a clear theme for yep. me.
4: yeah.
3: Um, but they don't do it in a way where they feel like I get the vibe that they're annoyed yep. by me. Yep. 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 I get the vibe that they know that that's what they're there for and they like my ideas and they're excited to be the people that put them into action. Totally. And it's a very different dynamic. Totally.
4: I mean, I think that the... the um, It kind of goes hand in hand with the listening to customers. Yep. So the other thing and just the advice around hiring yeah, for sure. that I've seen people make. And I definitely, it's the same type of hubris that made it so that I came with a solution. Yeah, I thought that a team mm-hmm. meant like 10 or 20 or 30 of me. Right. <laughs> like if I could just replicate <laughs> myself, yeah. that's a team. <laughs> yeah. And I remember so clearly realizing the incredible, and it, you know, it, it maybe sounds like kind of ridiculous because I'm such a, like a diversity and inclusion person and I'm all about like different right. perspectives. Not necessarily of, my of mine. Right. <laughs> right. But then like when it's my own company, right. I was like really struggling to see how incredibly important it is yeah. to have a diversity of thought, yeah. to have different skill sets, to have different like ENFJ, INTJs. Yeah. yeah, you need yeah. them all. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. And, and, and it actually... One, um, one. I think it was like a Christmas party. I was like toasting to the team and this like thing just like blurted out of me, but I really mean it and meant it at the time and, and continue mm-hmm. to mean it. It wasn't until I started working with this team and saw their like dedication and passion to like get this thing like built and to also not take no for an answer and to keep working so hard that I really deeply felt what it feels
3: like to say thank you.
4: Yeah right? Like whatever I was saying before
3: was Was, like, not thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's such a nice way to put it. Cause you could sleep. Thank you. Yeah.
4: Thank you. Like, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. It's not that you like paying people is a very low bar to get them to do anything.
3: A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. I, I mean, I looked at Marissa the other day and I just was like, I think I slept through the night like for the first time in several years. And I think it's primarily because I know that you're also carrying it, you know, like they all are. Totally. Um, And it's, it's a, it is, it is is tremendous gratitude, I think. And that's such a nice way to put it. Um, Okay. I, we could talk forever, but (laughs) do you, are you just a question? um, Do you guys, are you the ones reaching out to find the clients for the contractors or when they have potential clients, do they loop onto your system? Yeah. So,
4: so, uh, right now we find the clients. However, we have gotten so much requests from general contractors to bring their clients that didn't originate yep. on Sweeten onto to manage the platform. them. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, so we're offering yeah, a you lot. know a lot. Yeah. So like project
3: management tools, customer yeah, service, absolutely. education, um, like benchmark setting for pricing and timing. Yeah, that's great. So then going back to the, so from a customer acquisition perspective, Mm -hmm. um, how do you, you know, how do you think about that? How do you think about finding your target clients and reaching out to them and getting them to, there's no trial, really. There's no taste it and if you like it, you can buy it. (laughs) Well, so I think really the way that we,
4: up until this point have attracted most of our homeowners and small business owners to use Sweden is that we have put all the effort into finding the great general contractors. Right. So we have a highly curated supply side. We only work with licensed general contractors. We get the full list of licensed general contractors from every city that we're in mm-hmm. and go through every single one of them. Yep. We look at all of their online Um, anything we can find about them online. We look at their past permitting, we look at their, you know, better. So you're really
3: selling a beautiful product.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So we find, and that doesn't mean that they're the most expensive. No, we find the best working at all different price points, working in all different geographies and all different project styles. Awesome. And so then when we present that, you know, we've done what is a ton of work for a homeowner, right? Because you know, we, so, yeah, you, so not only do yeah. we like recruit them, yep. but then we talk to three of their past clients. We dictate those conversations to start to build their profile. Yep. We get to know them. Like, and how do really you get, get, get that them.
3: information out to potential? Is it just like Instagram ads and Facebook? And I mean, I would imagine Pinterest so, is a big. So
4: we actually do, well, we do a lot of performance marketing, but right. in the beginning, and it might be helpful for certainly yeah, folks who for are sure. starting out, we do a lot of content marketing. Content so because we follow the projects from the very beginning to the very end, we get the before, during, after photos. Mm-hmm. We get the entire story. We yeah. get homeowners who are really Happy. excited to yeah. tell their stories. And so from day one, we have had a really active blog and right. an email newsletter and now that content is, you know, syndicated on apartment therapy, twelve, domino, right. like it's it's all over the place because right. actually
3: getting renovation content like before, during and after yeah. content is really hard. No, that's and very we just cool. have like an evergreen No, that's amazing. That's a great. I mean, that that's super helpful, right? And then you can use some of that for paid, and you know, yeah, exactly. Right, but
4: it's for us again because the trust. factor is so huge. So yeah. homeowners don't trust general contractors. Right. And general contractors, in fact, don't trust that homeowners will hire them if they tell them the real price yep. and real timeline. Yep. And so it becomes like a really vicious cycle. Yeah, totally. And so this content and the sweetened platform, like it's really meant to counteract that. So when somebody sees like a smiling, yes. <laughs> happy
3: family, they're like, okay. And this is my happy contractor. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. No, that's amazing. Right. Okay. So do you have a moment looking back over the last last however many years where you I'm sure again there were many but like one moment that you can point to where you were like ah I have something good here I am really happy or I'm living the life that I I'm in my flow you know yeah what brings that to you
4: you know we just opened LA Mm -hmm. Um, so June 1st we soft launched and last week um was our official launch And I definitely had that feeling. So I was in LA for the whole week Mm -hmm. and I did a bunch of press and parties and meetings and it was just incredible to see the the response yeah right from a new market that yep. had not really heard of us to go from not hearing of us to you know we've got a lot of projects a lot of yeah. PCs we're already in construction on a few of them and so cool. we're less than 30 days in yeah it's amazing and yeah it was just it was pretty wild yeah. and and on top of that to see the team had done most of it yep. you know of course the, I was consulted and asked yep. and whatever and I set the timeline for like when the market would open right but to see them in their flow yeah. as well. Ugh, it just is awesome. Yeah. That's it was awesome. awesome. I mean, we had a, a woman on the roof of our one of our launch parties making um, she was a street taco maker that uh-huh. they had found on like Eater that had been written up and they yeah. like carried her
3: cart up right. three <laughs> flights of stairs and she was making like handmade tacos yeah. at this lunch party. Oh. It was like
4: so awesome.
3: Yeah. It was so great. No, that's that's great. Um I'm so happy you were here. Thank you so much for coming. Oh gosh, like, for so him. many great nuggets. I can't wait. Like I'm excited to like write the Instagram story with all of my notes. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for being here. Matt, thank you for doing a fantastic engineering job on this. Um, and um, I'll be back next week with um, another guest on In the Sauce. Thanks for listening.